Welcome to Move the Line. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here by my friends, Connor Allen, John Daigle. How are we doing, fellas? Great. Uh, enjoying the, the cold weather. How about you, Daigle? Uh, I've gotten more used to cold now that I had a true Chicago winter in my blood before. Um, I actually just got back with a little six and a half mile run, 25 degrees in snow out there. So yeah, doing well. Yeah. Cold runs, not like freezing cold, but like nice like that, that those are, those are good runs. Was it also like those, those are my people because you know, the other psychos running in 20 degrees in snow, like those people are also hurting. Like those feed me. Those are all my people who are also just trying to get through life right now. I mean, it's one of the best like internet clips of all time. It was like some news channel. I want to say it was like Philadelphia and they, you know, it was like a first snowstorm of the year and they caught this couple that was out running together and they were talking about how like they love running in the snow and they love running in the cold. And then they're like, all right, bye. And then they pan away and they get like maybe 20 yards down the road and the woman absolutely eats it. Just decleater, legs go up right flat on her back. Uh, and she just kind of, you know, waves it off like nothing happened. But yeah, good times. Hopefully that wasn't you. Uh, not enough snow on the ground, I think, for that yet. So uh, thankful that you're back here, knocking custom, ready to talk about week 11. Uh, we're going to be live here. Moving forward, we've been here 6.45 p.m. Eastern on Thursdays, like we are tonight leading you into Thursday football. Thanksgiving's next week, and then other schedule issues, particularly on my end. Uh, we're pivoting back to our original day, which is Wednesday. So moving forward, live every Wednesday night, 6.30 Eastern discussing our favorite games on the board and taking your questions. If you are hanging out with us on YouTube live, uh, we would love to answer anything that you're looking at this week. Um, if you're doing so subscribe, so you don't miss a show, jump in the chat as well. Again, lots of other great content here on the 44 YouTube page. Uh, let us know what your favorite week 11 bet is side or total. All right, uh, before we jump into this weekend's slate of games, I want to remind folks that we have two episodes of Move the Line each week, both available to stream here on YouTube, also available in podcast form wherever you consume your podcasts. Uh, in addition to the game preview here on Thursday nights, and again, moving to Wednesday nights, 7.30 Eastern, Move the Line prop drop live 2 p.m. Eastern every Friday. Pat Mayo joins Connor and myself. Uh, check that out again on the YouTube feed or the podcast feed. And again, uh, Kind of rolling there, having a lot of fun with that. It gets uh, really interactive, too. We like to get your questions. So, again, subscribe so you don't miss a show. Uh, and, again, we are halfway through the season, and our subscription prices at 4 for 4 reflect that. Uh, perhaps the fantasy season's falling apart. Perhaps you did not take Daigle's waiver wire advice and you did not scoop up Christian Watson. You need a sweat on the weekend. Now is the time to scoop up a betting subscription at 4 for 4 Gets you access to everything on the site, every sport, article, tool, from now until the end of February. I think the subscriber-only Discord is the crown jewel. Uh, again, you get all of our bets pushed there and notifications instantly. NBA, college basketball, MMA, World Cup, that's coming here. Uh, if you'd like to dabble on any of the pick'em sites like Prize Picks, Underdog, Connor continues to crush in Vivid. Uh, we have channels posted plays there specifically as well. You get access to TJ and Daigle providing a ton of DFS content, uh, live chat on the weekends there as well, if that's your thing, also included in the betting subscription. So 444.com slash plans, check it out, it's 50% off. Promo code next level gets you another 25% off of that listed price as well. All right, guys, Lions and Giants. Threes across the board, totals out at 45. FanDuel looks like they have a rogue 44 and a half. Lions suddenly winners of two straights. They picked on the NFC North. Giants did their best to try to let the Texans sneak in and steal that one last week. They held on and were gifted losses from both the Cowboys and the Eagles. Uh, Dave, I'll let you get kicked off here with Lions and Giants. If only the Bears threw more than six yards in the fourth quarter, maybe they don't get knocked off by the Lions last week. But it is a good spot for the Giants because what they want to do and averaging the second most rushing attempts in the league is exactly where the Lions get pummeled. The fourth highest explosive rushing percentage allowed on the year and five yards per carry in particular to opposing running backs, um, which – as we know, Barkley fresh off a career high, 35 carries last week. We expect that to be the same going forward. Also tacking on Daniel Jones, who's averaging seven and a half carries uh, per game this year too. So I do think the Giants can kind of have their way here. And I don't know if it's necessarily a good spot for the Lions offense, but I do know that in Wink Martindale being the only defensive coordinator calling a blitz on over 42% of dropbacks, 
Uh, we know exactly where Jared Goff goes to because Amonra St. Brown has accounted for 38% of this team's targets since TJ Hawkinson was traded. And more importantly, he's averaged a 26% target share for 2.5 yards per route run against the Blitz this year. So Jared Goff has thrown three touchdowns the last two games without Hawkinson. All three have gone to a different tight end with a different name. It's hard to pick where Jared Goff is going to throw these touchdowns, but more importantly, they're getting the ball to their best player. So I do like the Giants. I don't know if I like them enough to cover, but I think it is a sneaky spot for the Giants offense here. It'd be very strange if they threw to different tight ends with the same name. That would be that'd be weird. Um, if the Giants are real, Connor, they got to take care of the Lions at home, right? Yeah, I, I kind of like the under here for some of the reasons you're mentioning. And a lot of it's because the Giants blitz a ton. Uh, you get pressure at the 10th highest rate. Golf under pressure this season, 45% completion rate. Uh, I mean, just really has struggled. And I think that maybe some of that's because he didn't have Amon Ross St. Brown, but I think that you can hammer his reception props. That'll probably be like six and a half. I think an over there is an interesting look. But just in general for this game, I think the under, it opened at 46 and a half, now sitting at 45. Uh, and we're looking at, despite the Detroit's defense being like legit really bad, uh, they've gotten into some of these like lower scoring games, actually, surprisingly. And, and the Giants, uh, the Giants especially, too. Giants have actually gone under 46 points in all but one game, a uh, 49-point game against Packers. So, you know, I, I expect this Giants defense to kind of make golf's life tough and like keep this game as like more of a, you know, a run-focused game on the Giants side and just like the slow-paced, boring uh, with golf not able to do anything. Yeah, both teams should have some success here on the ground. And sometimes that's just going to lead to faster game being played, right? The you know, clock keeps ticking. Uh, you have success moving the ball and you continue to run on early downs. I think the lions we've seen have been very content to do that at times. I like the Amon Ra look. I do think six and a half is probably where it opens. And I think that's probably still not high enough. I mean, what 11 targets last week, he got to almost six and a half in the first quarter. He got absolutely uh, just pounded. And I have similar no notes and numbers on uh, Amon Ra's target rate versus blitz versus non-blitz like Dago referenced too. So I think it's a pretty good spot. Goff is actually, I don't know, you see a decent amount of man too, 7.9 yards adjusted, uh, adjusted net yards per attempt versus man, which ties Mahomes for six most in the league. And Amon Ra, 3.9 yards per route run against man this year as well. It's the fifth highest in, in the league. So you know, the Giants do a lot of man behind that heavy blitz rate too. So not a bad spot for them if they decide to pass. I just think it's such a narrow target tree where, where they do it. So probably look for Amon Ra than thinking that there's going to be any sort of explosion explosion blow up spot for for golf or anything like that so kind of with you guys don't really have a great feel for anything sides or total i just think that you know the giants want to be taken seriously you're basically based on the market you're a coin flip at home against the lions like you got to kind of have to cement yourself here again tough spot next week short week on thursday thanksgiving against the cowboys like that's a really important game in the division so yeah you got to be able to take care of business here against the lions and uh would look for them to do so. Um, Dagle, any concerns with the passing game with the Giants? It looks like, you know, Wandell's watching here. I'm not sure if the hamstring injury is going to be a problem here. Actually, if uh, Darius Slayton has the league leader in yards per route run against man this season, probably should see a decent amount of it here. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are with the Giants passing game, which is kind of really hard to, to pick on. I love uh in general, Darius Slayton, especially because we saw Kenny Galladay after a second drop in the first half last week sent to the bench. Darius Slayton comes back on, glued in two wide sets, and literally that very next possession to open the third quarter scores a 54-yard touchdown. Uh, yard per route run, as you mentioned, against man coverage also leads this team in yards per route run way ahead of Wondell Robinson and Richie James uh, since he entered the rotation. Darius Slayton in week four and a 29-point 20.9% target share in his last three games. Uh, Daniel Jones and him have rapport going back a couple years. Also remember Slayton, a fifth-round player, but that was because of off-field issues. Dame Brugler actually in the draft ranked him as a, a top 50 player, I believe it was. So he's an uber-talent who has been fighting for his roster spot for the past two years behind a Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman roster, and they don't understand personnel whatsoever. And now he's finally come on strong. So, no, I do believe in the passing game, actually, for however much they're going to pass. And I'm with you. You called out the Daniel Jones rushing thing. I mean, it's like the first note I made this week on just Danny Jones rushing yards. It's been kind of a really clean recipe this season. Heavy man, heavy blitz. Those quarterbacks are going over their rushing prop consistently. Uh, and the Lions have allowed 41.3, I think, which is the second highest rate in the league. 
Uh, so yeah, Danny Jones on the ground, pretty good spot. I mean, Justin Fields, 8.3 yards per attempt against this defense through the air. That's not how Justin Fields is getting there, but through the air last week. Uh, remember, Tua had 300 yards and three touchdowns. That's all he does now. So, no, I mean, the, the Lions defense has not gotten any better. They remain as bad as ever. All right, next, we have the Jets on the road in New England, mostly three and a halfs right now. There are some juice threes, total 38 uh, or 38 and a half. I really want to get you guys' thoughts here. Um I know Clark played a Giants plus three and a half. I'm sorry, a Jets plus three and a half here. We just played this game a few weeks ago. New England closed as a three-point favorite on the road and won handily. Uh, Not a lot's changed, although the Patriots actually are going to be healthier here than they were just a couple weeks ago. They played that game without center David Andrews. He's trending to be back. Uh, Their best defensive tackle and run stuffer, Christian Barrymore, and safety Kyle Duggar who does a lot of different stuff for them. I think they're going to all be good to go this week. Um, We have two sizable trends. And these are trends outside of like the Patriots have dominated. They won like 13 straight and like nine and four. Not those trends. Bill Belichick tormenting Zach Wilson. And Zach Wilson being atrocious, specifically against man coverage. And the first matchup, Zach Wilson, four of 13 with a negative 0.52 EPA per drop back. It's hard to do. Um, on the season versus man, Wilson has a 45.6% completion percentage, 36.1% success rate, and is averaging a just mind-numbing three adjusted net yards per attempt. What in the world, Connor, am I missing here? Uh, I wouldn't say a whole lot other than the, the Patriots offense just isn't very good, and the Jets defense has shown that they're legit. Um, I, I That was actually my notes about Zach Wilson here. Uh, I mean, just... So, so bad. Also has completed 11 of 52 passes under pressure this year. 21% of his passes have been completed, which is just shocking. So I like, I don't know if I love laying the Patriots at three and a half. I do think that it's probably the right side. And if there were some threes early in the week, I would have loved to have grabbed that. Um, But I just don't really have much confidence or faith in the Patriots offense. I don't know. Daigle, do you, I feel like it's just Mac Jones has played like bad. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It, the only issue is that nothing has changed from this matchup. The personnel is the exact same. Um, and the Patriots are at home this time too. And Zach Wilson, last time they played, only completed 48% of his passes, three picks in that one. And he threw for 355, a season high, but 95 of that was on the final drive and they were down two scores, just playing in garbage time because they had already lost. So uh, with the same personnel, Ramondre, Damian Healthy, Mac Jones was under center that game as well. Zach Wilson was under center for the Jets. Uh, it's the same wide receiver rotation. I, I don't know what has changed at all from that game. And the way that the Jets are constructed defensively, and I agree, Matt Jones has been terrible. Yes. Like, uh, not even, like, you cannot poke a hole in that at all. Like, man, zone, it's just been bad. Jets in the perimeter, very good. Jets in the slot, not so good. Michael Carter has not been great in the slot. And that was the play I played Jacoby Myers last time on his yards. His reception prop was four and a half. He caught, like, nine balls, for, and he went off. I, what do they do differently? I don't care if Devontae Parker plays or not. You hide the other guys on the outside. You play Jacoby in the slot, and you pick them apart. And the offensive line for the Jets continues to get beat up. Like They are continuing to suffer injuries. Patriots got a lot of pressure. They did not get home as much there. They did not get a bunch of sacks. They only got two sacks, 18 pressures last time. Like That's not sustainable either. And obviously, it still worked. He, he still was unsuccessful and erratic. But, like, man, they're just going to get home a little bit more. And they are home too. So yeah, I totally agree, Connor. Like it's hard to be bullish and lay even through the three and a half. There are threes out there still on New England. I just think it's the right side. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not just, it's the Zach Wilson thing, man. Like I, there's no way the Belichick rewatched the three games that he's had last three games against them. He's like, Hey, we should do something way different because this guy's slowly figuring it out. It's like, no, let's turn up the heat. Let's play more man. And let's blitz him even more. They blitz the highest rate, 42% of the dropbacks in that game last time against them. That's by far New England's highest in the season. They're just going to do it again. And Jets team total, 17, 17 and a half under. I think it's a great look. Uh, I just, I think they struggle. So yeah, Jacoby, if Jacoby just opened 48 and a half. Um, I've been looking for this is on my list. That'll be a play for me for sure. Uh, over four and a half receptions when that comes out. Great look as well. Yeah, it looks like... Uh three on mgm right now that's like there's win bet too but no one bets on that shit so you know i mean like uh i (laughs) gotta play books that people actually use um and are not trying to sell for 
uh, one sixth of what they valued themselves at the year prior. Uh, but yeah, it was like I went through his game prior. It was like he had a 63 yarder to Denzel Mims and a 54 yarder to Dig Garrett Wilson. Just does not seem very sticky uh, week to week. But yeah, I mean, like if you had told me the spread was like the issue is I don't know. I need I just have like trouble mentally. Like after three, it's like there's like there's just this gap where it's like four and six, you know. But it's like. I'd almost feel like I'm like at this point after three, I'm like, I feel like I'm almost like laying a touchdown at that point. So it's like, I know it's not that way, but it's just like a mental block where it's like, okay, they have to win by four, four or six essentially. And you don't really get that three anymore. Whereas I feel really good about having the three as being a push or, uh, you know, a win potentially at two and a half. So, yeah. Yeah. I get that for sure. It's pats or nothing for me. I understand wanting to have the hook and feeling good about three and the hook. Um, like, you know, like Clark did, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I can't get there with, uh, you got to think too. I, the Nuggets coming off of a bye, right? So like, what's their mo historically? Like Belichick is they play their best football this time of year. They have a young team. They're again like I just feel like if they come out and Mac Jones isn't playing a little bit better and can't take advantage of this defense coming off of a bye, the Patriots are a fade moving forward. Like they have had got to use this bye week to figure out and self scout, figure out what are we doing wrong, what's not working, what's working to kind of get back to Mac Jones who looks completely different than the guy who was last year. So I'm just going to go on the 23 years that we have of Belichick South scouting pretty well and figuring out what's going to work here. Uh, and they handle the business against the jets. So, all right, next, another divisional game, um, Cincinnati on the road in Pittsburgh. Uh, since he is uh, minus four on DK, it looks like most other books have three and a half, which is uh, interesting to see. Last time we saw this, Steelers defense um, healthy was really, I mean, we saw it last week a little bit. Mickey Fitzpatrick wasn't there, but TJ Watt back in the lineup last week, a big part of why this defense shut down the Bengals and upended them in week one and really limited the Saints last week. Just 10 first downs, less than 200 total yards of offense. And that was a Saints team that was traveling on a short week because Bengals team's different coming off of a bye. Uh, welcoming DJ Reader back to the lineup as well, which I think is pretty massive. Uh, the splits with and without Reader are pretty massive per True Media. Uh, at The Athletic, they noted that with Reader versus the run this season, the Bengals have a 74.4 success rate on the ground with a 1.34 yards per carry before contact allowed. Without Reader, it was down to 55.8% and a 1.89 yards allowed before contact. So pretty drastic difference. That difference is equivalent to the number one run defense to the 27th run defense. Uh, Dago, let you get started with this one. Pretty good divisional matchup. It's a tough read for any side, honestly, because TJ Watt, as you mentioned, really makes the difference here. The past two years with TJ Watt off the field, opposing quarterbacks are averaging over nine yards per attempt compared to 6.4 yards attempt when he's out there. And we saw the last time this Bengals offensive line tried to protect an elite pass rusher like Miles Garrett they were owned. That offense didn't move at all. That offense also didn't have Jamar Chase, which he won't be back this week as well. I still question when he'll be back. Uh, Zach Taylor has pulled the rug over our eyes two of the last three seasons with Joe Mixon's health. So either way, I, I'm very much worried about this Bengals offense, which I have zero respect for without Jamar Chase. Yes, they pulverized the Panthers, but everyone except the Falcons have had no issues getting over on the Panthers. So, all right, yeah, against the Panthers. So, um, I'm back and forth, honestly, because at the same time, the Steelers came out of their or Steelers came out of their bye last week, hiding Kenny Pickett. Uh, they got away with 32 running back carries and eight scrambles. That's an offense that didn't have a single run over 20 yards this year. They had four of them in that game on that short week against the Saints. I don't know if you do that again this week, since the Bengals are also getting healthier on defense. So I do expect it to be a lower scoring game. And uh, I genuinely, like I said, given the the splits of both teams, the struggles and weaknesses both teams have, I genuinely don't have a read on the side. Connor, where are you at in this one? Yeah, I mean, also second divisional game here. First game produced 43 points. Uh, you're looking at a total of 41. I still lean under here. I think it's going to be kind of a struggle both sides offensively. What I noted, what I thought was interesting too is with this Bengals team, I was looking into, because so, you know, they had this shift or like midseason. It was like they started the first few games were heavy under center. They were running like 50, 60 percent only in their shotgun in the shotgun. We're not passing it that much. Then they shifted to like shotgun, one of the highest rates passing at one of the highest rates in the league. Then Jamar Chase got injured. They came out and still did the same thing in the first week. And then against the Panthers, they went 
I mean, I, I just don't think we can put much stock into it. It was like 58% or something like that uh, shotgun rate, which is their lowest of the season, essentially, at that point. But I don't really think that that's really applicable to the situation uh, just because of like how quickly that game got out of hand. So I think that they could still go shotgun here a bunch, potentially hit some of, you know, like, and if they're going to do that, I think that the focus of how we attack this game is a little bit different here. Um, but just in general, I just don't expect either team to have too much success. Minka practicing. I think he plays here. Um, yeah, it's, it's really tough for me to envision a scenario where unless the Bengals just like, you know, really push the pace, get going, hit the Steelers. Then we see Kenny Pickett. I mean, they're not afraid to throw the ball 50 times. And we've already seen him do that before. It's just that they, they have to be down. And if it's anywhere close, they're going to feed Najee and Jalen, Jalen Warren. Yeah, I mean, I think probably the best way that I would get in this would be that the Steelers has a teaser leg, but it's not super exciting for me. Um, you know, but again, it's just I think there's better teasers on the board. And uh, yeah, it's it's just uh, it's hard. I kind of agree with Daigle. Like, this is a totally different team without Jamar Chase. They're hoping to get him back next week. This is what Daigle has been talking about since the preseason. We're in it. The Bengals from this point forward have the hardest schedule in the league and it's like it's not even like a little bit the hardest it's very 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 difficult I mean, look and they this. did nothing to give you any amount of confidence about okay. the way they approach this part of the schedule now again now chase comes back next week where they're really hoping for that's that does change things a little bit but it doesn't mean that this schedule is still not absolutely brutal because back-to-back road games here you start in the division with pittsburgh and then you go back to tennessee where you had the divisional playoff game last season but then Kansas City, Cleveland, Tampa, New England, Buffalo, Baltimore to finish up. Um, you know, probably, and again, Cleveland, that's going to be with Deshaun. Um, it's at New England in week 16. That's not a great place to go uh, in week 16 typically. So, yeah, this is a this is a slate for not for the faint of heart. you got to be the team like Pittsburgh. You are more talented than if you're going to get into that spot where we think you were in the preseason, maybe Daigle wasn't there in the preseason, like a lot of the public was, uh, but this is why he was ringing that bell. And uh, you know, the, the, I think DJ reader coming back does help. I think Jamar Chase, hopefully coming back. Like I said, they're planning on that next week, but they got to take care of business here. I just don't have confidence laying the four or even the three and a half. It's kind of, it's probably Pittsburgh or nothing for me. Uh, so it probably will end up being nothing. Cause again, like I don't feel really confident laying, with what we've seen from Kenny Pickett this far either. So I just want Cincinnati. I just want Cincinnati to lose so that Daigle can go back and like, like all those people's tweets that were quote tweeting him after he made the, the preseason video about Cincinnati being the luckiest team in the league or whatever. I mean, dude, those, those people were ruthless. They were being mean. Like it was not even just like, Oh, like this is a bad take to like, this guy doesn't watch any of the games. You know, this guy doesn't know how to analyze football. I'm like, God damn, you guys got to chill. Like this is, well, they were aggressive. To be fair, you know? It wasn't just like tribalist fans either. It was tribal tribalist. It was B writers. Yeah. It was yeah, B writers. I was like, unprof man. unprofessional professionals is what they what were is going on oh i'm yeah, coming the, those the likes passive, are coming the passive aggressive likes are great a couple of like quote tweet like hi like very passive just like you know nothing just blowing them out would be very entertaining so i'll do some too i, mean, I got I, don't care. I got enough vindictive quote tweets i'm i'm angry in these streets nowadays so no we don't need to add to it <laughs> that'll be fun all right next one philly on the road in indy just shot for this one there are six and a half out there if you like the philly side sevens if you are inclined to lay the points with the colts here total 44 and a half with mgm hanging a flat 44 uh one weekend jim mercy looks like a genius we had uh, jeff saturday uh went back to a suddenly healthy matt ryan who also benefited from uh what appeared to be a healthy jonathan taylor uh the eagles present a different challenge this week though they have been busy in the 48 hours since their first loss uh, doing their best to bolster their run defense with the signings of Lindell Joseph and Dominican Sue. Uh, again, this is kind of nine and a half tens out there, even look aheads. And, you know, we, we got again, working both ways for this to kind of collapse to get down below the seven. Uh, Connor, let's get started with Eagles and Colts. Yeah. It's funny because I think we talked about it last week where we were kind of on the under with Indy and Las Vegas, but it is just unbelievable how bad the Raiders are. Like I don't, I don't put any stock into that game. I mean, literally, we talked, we talked about it last week. Their their linebacker retired midweek. Waller on IR, Renfro on IR. Like no organ, no buy in in the locker room. Clearly, like 
I mean, who retires mid-season? I mean, that's just so ridiculous. When you're going to play a bigger role, maybe you get more money the following year. He didn't year. want to play a bigger role. He didn't even, he didn't even <laughs> want it. That's how you know that the organization is so bad. So, like, I put no stock in that. We have a pretty big sample of Indy's offense being bad. Uh, and in this spot, the, my only concern with laying laying the points of Philly here is that the matchup without Jordan Davis, as they saw that in Dominican Sue, they had Linval Joseph there to try and shore up the defensive line, is that they've been really bad in run defense without him. Uh, and so... Jonathan Taylor, they could probably get him going a little bit. I think that they could be a little bit more productive otherwise, but I expect them to have like no success passing the ball at all um, outside of just, you know, screens of Jonathan Taylor, maybe a couple of Michael Pittman throws. So um, if I had to take a side, it would probably be Philly six and a half and kind of a bounce back spot here, but I don't really feel too great about it for kind of the reasons that I mentioned here. And in Dominican Sue, I just wonder how ready will he be? Will there be a certain amount of packages? Because even if he plays a la Roquan Smith's usage in his first game on Monday night with the Ravens against the Saints, like that is enough to silence this Colts team. As you mentioned, um, just the fact they were they were 10-point look-aheads and all because the Eagles lost. An Eagles offense, mind you, that had 22 plays through the through the midway through the third quarter because the commanders just played bully ball and killed the clock on every single play, which hats off to them. They've had an amazing game plan, but it's not like the Eagles did anything wrong. Honestly, either they just got bullied around um, from Washington, stealing the ball the entire time. And so like, if there is enough plays to get Sue on the field, that soaks up Philadelphia's only weakness in the last month. Uh, you know, in the last four games, we've seen Ezekiel Elliott rush for 81 yards. Jalen Warren and Najee Harris combined for six yards per carry. Damian Pierce rushed for 139 yards. And Washington bullied this team, as we saw, um, for two rushing scores as well. So if Sue's available, I think it is the counterpoint. And, like, it's such an amazing number to bet Philadelphia's side. And that's where I'm at with this game. I would think, and again, there's probably someone that's better equipped to speak to this than, than I would be. But if you're going to plug and play someone – on the defensive side, you would think that probably like nose tackle would be the best place to do it, right? You probably have some stunts and he would need to know kind of what some of those calls are, but like his, his job is to literally get North and South and clog the lane. It's probably not going to be schematically massively different from team to team. Now, again, there would be some stunts and some play calls that would be different as far as passing downs and stuff like that. I'd imagine he's probably not even in a lot of those packages to your point, Dagle. He's probably in there on very clear run stopping downs or, you know, those types of, you know, short down and distance stuff, first down, stuff like that. So even more so than a Roquan Smith, who is going to have some coverage responsibilities as a linebacker occasionally, whether it's a tight end, whether it's a wheel route or catching a, a running back coming out, like nose tackle, put that bad boy in the middle, let him just kind of plug up the middle. I think he'd probably be able to come in and handle a decent amount of work now. And Again, we'll have to wait and see, but that would be good enough, in my opinion. We saw Matt Ryan under Jeff Saturday uh, record his fastest time from snap to throw, 2.2 seconds, third highest among all quarterbacks in the league this past week. So that's the game plan is to dump the ball off. That's not going to be enough to move the chains against the Eagles if they're also plugging the run. Yeah. I think it's also just just interesting, too, with these teams like coming off like exact opposite games, whereas Philly lost – you know, coming off their first loss of the season, they were just humbled. You know, I, I feel like just mentally going undefeated is like really hard. Like they were going to lose eventually and lose a bad one. And then on the other hand, you have Jeff Saturday coming off his first win ever, probably thinking this shit's easy. You know, Parks Frazier dialed up a reasonable game plan. It's just like entire like opposites meeting here. Like it would not surprise me if Philly won by like 30. You know what I mean? Like, and we're everyone's looking at this like, oh, duh. Like everyone was just ripping on the most embarrassing head coaching hire of all time. And, you know, a Philly team that is, awesome top to bottom outside of their literally one problem run defense and they hired or they signed two guys to defend the run yeah i actually think the Colts team total like 18 and a half under is probably a pretty good look um yeah i i get a little bit the more i kind of got into that analysis and was writing it up i paused on it just because i had did have concerns about the philly run d a little bit but again i they feel slightly alleviated and we'll see i think we'll have probably more of an answer as we get to like friday practice and we'll find out how to Dagle's point how much shape or how well the shape that Dominican Sue is in uh, for him to be able to step right in. But uh, yeah, I just don't expect that we see that kind of offense from the Colts again. I think it has a lot to do with the Raiders. Um, they only Eagles only got to do one thing. They stop the run. They win this game by 20 points. That's it. I agree there. So six and a half out there. I think it's an important shot because, you know, six and a half and sevens, very, very different key numbers that we want to take a look at. All right, next we have the Chiefs in L.A. 
Uh, again, as everyone is when you go and play the Chargers, it's kind of a full uh, home game. Uh, optimistic injury report has moved this from Kansas City minus seven down to six. There have been some five and a half. I think five and a half is available on points bet currently. Total 51, 51 and a half on FanDuel. I do understand the live movement here a little bit uh, based on the speculative return of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I feel I would feel a lot better if that speculation was removed and it was confirmed that they were in. Um, if you're looking to back the Chargers, I don't think waiting is a problem. I think you'll still manage to get at least a plus three, three and a half. Um, I think this is probably seven, seven and a half without them, but I think we have to wait and see here. Um, they historically play them close, Dangle. First matchup was close. The Chargers have played well against them over the last couple of years. Joey Bosa was active in week two, which I think is a notable inactive here for them. Uh, he'll obviously be missed. Uh, and then the Chiefs are dealing with a bunch of injuries too with the receiver position. I don't know how much that matters per se for the handicap of this, though maybe it ends up where they lean a little bit more on the run. Maybe we see a little bit more Isaiah Pacheco, especially with the the Chargers Achilles here being the run defense here. What are your thoughts on this? Again, another divisional matchup. And against the Texans, since Justin Herbert initially got injured in this first matchup in week two, uh, against the Texans in week four is the only other time he's been over seven yards per attempt in any other game in that time, as he's been injured himself or been dealing with injuries across their their offensive personnel. But presumably getting back Mike Williams and Keen Allen, like you, I'll believe it when I see it, but presumably getting them back, uh, as you mentioned, these two teams have played each other very close, even a one-score game, three points the last time they played, and that game reached 51 points. And even in that one, remember, the Chiefs went four of four on fourth down as well. And so I do think there is reason to not only believe in the Chargers offense could be more potent than what they've been, um, maybe not still explosive, but more potent. Uh, and then also that they'll hang around. I do like both the Chargers to cover, and I like the over still in this game, especially if you can get it around 51, 51 and a half. I've seen it across the board at many numbers, depending where you line shop. Yeah, Connor, what are your leans here? Do you need to wait and see, or are you willing to, to kind of get in there speculatively ahead of the game? Yeah, I, you guys reminded me just now, too. I believe Keenan Allen coming off either it was last year or the year before one of his injuries, they like, you know, he was practicing, practicing, practicing. And then like right before the game, they're like, Oh, there's going to be like a limited packages for him. And he ran like 10 routes, you know? And like, I know each injury varies, but like that, I don't think that that's off the table necessarily that he's just, you know, like literally, you know, limited. And I, that concerns me a little bit here because I think those guys obviously matter a lot as they mentioned, like when, when those guys are playing, uh, Herbert has what he needs to just be, you know, the best, one of the best quarterbacks in the league when he doesn't, I mean, it's really hard to, you know, beat any defense with DeAndre Carter, Josh Palmer, and Gerald Everett. You know, it just doesn't matter who you are. And you have in a system that relies on guys getting open in short areas, especially. Uh, and I mean, again, those guys just aren't going to get open on a consistent basis. So I think that matters a lot. For me, it's kind of just a stay away because of that. Uh, I do agree, though, on the Pacheco point. I think that he should see more work. CEH just saw four snaps. They came out saying, oh, we want to bounce a little bit more. I don't know if I'm really buying that. I think that they're just going to kind of roll with probably roll with Pacheco, maybe a little bit more CH, but I expect this game plan to be a little bit more run heavy than we expect uh, as is. So have you shopped any chiefs running backs props yet? Not out yet, uh, but it is on my list. Yeah. They better have those guys back. They might not even have Gerald ever. He's got a, a groin injury where he's like, you know, maybe limited. He's up in the area here. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be Mike Bandy and Trey Kitty, Trey McKitty here. Like uh, it's all Trey McKitty. That's at least what they went to last week. Uh, yeah. Richard Richard Rogers, who's the back of tight end, hasn't run more than six routes in any game yet this year. So we'll see. Again, I think that there's a path to this being a very uh, good game, as we typically see in these matchups. Uh, make a lot of sense. But yeah, this still, I don't know. Any concerns for you, Daigle, around some of the health of the Chiefs? Looks like, again, Nicole Harmon uh, is going to be out for a little bit. Juju got his bell rung in a big way last week. Uh, some questions there, it's, you know, continue emergence of Kadarius Tony, who I think we have some questions about. I mean, not as far as his talent, but his ability to, you know, just stay healthy and stay on the field. Any concerns about the Chiefs being able to reach their ceiling here in this matchup? We'll see how they fare. Uh, given the landscape of concussions now in the NFL and how we are rightfully being more precautionary, I don't know if Juju Smith-Schuster gets back out there this week. Marcus Valdez-Scantling returned to the last game, but now we've seen him, uh, I believe, he was limited on Thursday, DMP, something like that. Either way, he returned to that game, but he's been absent from practice, at least on Wednesday. So I, I don't know. I, I consider it like the 
trying to think of another offense, um, maybe the Steelers. But either way, I consider the Chiefs what they're doing, even by accident, better because they're getting more explosive players involved now. Like we're getting Pacheco over CEH. We're getting Kadarius Tony, who now in two games leads the team and or leads all wide receivers and targets per route run. Uh, we're getting Tony over Marcus Valdez Scantling or at least over Miko Hardman. We saw even last week they initially begun the game using Tony for Hardman's gadget plays inside the 10-yard line. And then when they suffered injuries, had to get him involved as exclusively as a wide receiver too. That's not a bad thing. Um, hamstring injury, clearly non-existent, uh, not important as he suffered with the Giants for the entire time. So I think it's actually a good thing that they're creating room for these young, good players. Be interesting to watch. I mean, the Chiefs, again, Mahomes is playing out of this world. I mean, it's not a typical prop that I feel like every week I put it in my notes. I should take Mahomes over two and a half touchdown passes. I never do it. And I'm like, son of a bitch, just three touchdown passes and a half every week. So this week I'm betting over two and a half Mahomes touchdown passes um, with no analysis other than this guy does this almost all the time. We should just kind of blind bet this. It's almost like the, you know, we've had some like some people in our discord who blind bet Nick Chubb longest rush or, you know, Eagles over, you know, two and a half, two touchdowns in the first half or anything like that. Like, just blind bet Mahomes over two and a half touchdown passes. He does a lot of time. Mahomes is 26 of 36 with 19 touchdowns and one pick inside the 10-yard line this year. It is absolutely insane. That's nuts. I feel the same way about kind of Tony. I know that, like, there's some concerns about, like, oh, does he know the playbook? Why hasn't he been playing more? I mean, dude, he is just so good. Like, every single time he touches the ball, it's incredible. And there was also some times, too, where, like, the routes he was running, he's sitting in zones well. Like, he's just doing the right things when he is on the field. Um, I don't know. I've heard it's, like, the New York thing was, like, an attitude issue. It was, like, conflict with the coaches. You know, we've heard all that. Obviously, he was not not really all that injured. I think he's fine. If if either, I mean, and Hardman got put an IR as well today, I believe. So looking at, you know, he should be playing a bigger role ASAP. Um, and I don't think Juju plays. So, and I think both can be true. Uh, Tony can be a problem for one coaching staff, and then just kind of blend in, especially when you have. I mean, when you're playing with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, Hall of Famers, um, you look around at the Giants. Who cares? So yeah, sure. Like he had to listen to. The person like, you know, Kenny Galladay making all this money and Brian Dable just benches him because he doesn't care. He's like, I'm playing my guys that I think will help us win. Tony didn't help him win. I think that's fine. Both can be true. No, I, I 100% agree. And the attitude issue that I heard was I'm the best player. Like, I'm going to do what I want. And you cannot be the true. best player when you're playing with Kelsey and Mahomes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and imagine, I mean, imagine just catching passes from Daniel Jones and, you know, running next to Kenny Galladay. Like, I mean, of course, you're gonna be mad. I mean, that sucks. You walk into that locker room and the leader is on very uneven grounds. There's no stable veterans in the locker room and you go to Kansas city and it's very different. I don't care what you want to tell anyone. You think that that's not a real thing and you think it's narrative based. That is real life folks. Just for a second, step out of it and think about how real life works with this 23 year old kid. Who's probably been one of the best since he was like six years old, walks in, there's no stable adult in the room and he probably thinks he's the best because as soon as he got a taste of it last year he dominated and he became a problem probably both with his health and his his you know off the field stuff and now he can't do that and now he has to get in line and prove it and here he is he's gonna do it like these are just real things they happen all the time randy moss was left for dead with the raiders after he got moved from Minnesota, he went to New England and all of a sudden the guy that was dead was not. It happened in New England for a number of years with a bunch of guys, Corey Dillon in New England. It was dead in, uh, in Cincinnati goes to New England. You can't do that anymore. And that's kind of where Kansas city is. And I think we start to see a little bit more from Kadarius Tony now, and he's going to get a shot. The path. That's clear. what, that's what Travis Kelsey said in his presser today, too. He wasn't upset. He wasn't offended. But, like, when they asked him, he was literally – he answered confused. Like, there was a question mark at the teleprompter. He's like, I don't know why the Giants traded him. He was, like, genuinely boggled. He's like, I see this kid play, and I don't understand it. Yeah. You should see some of the separation stuff and his ability to get open. It's just – it's elite-level stuff. He so. moves different. He definitely yeah. moves different. No doubt. Points no bet doubt. every Tony over for the rest of the season. That's just my <laughs> going to be my, my motto. Yeah. All right, last one. Uh, Dallas on the road in Minnesota. Minnesota is getting a point and a half everywhere. 47 and a half is the total everywhere as well. Incredible theater last week with that Bills and Vikings game. And kudos to the Vikings for once again coming out on the right side of things. Um, they have, for two years now, 
have just insisted on playing in one score games, breaking in their favor this season. It did not last year, but again, like I do not mean to poo poo anything with the Vikings, but if you think about all of the things that needed to happen for them to come out with a win last week, I think it's okay to be lucky and good. They are clearly both. Um, this is a very important game for the NFC playoff picture, but I don't think that if you're a Vikings fan, like you don't really care about it. You're eight and one still. And that's fantastic. But like, gosh, I mean, if you watched any of those games, seen any of those highlights, there are a handful of things just late in the fourth quarter alone that go any, any way, the other way. And that game goes completely different angle. So big one here. A lot of folks have their minds warped a little bit because why is this eight and one team an underdog at home against the six and three team that just lost on the road against the team that they beat all those things. What are your thoughts about Cowboys and Vikings? Do it both ways because it's the perfect cocktail. Uh, not only do the Vikings win a game they should not have, but also the Cowboys were 195-0 and in franchise history with a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. The 3-6 and six Packers made them 195-1. and That's how fluky that game was. My only issue, and I say this with a big bet on the Cowboys minus one and a half. That's the side I've already taken earlier in the week. My one concern is that the Cowboys are still the only defense creating pressure on 40% of dropbacks, and that has been Cousins' weakness. He ranks 34th completion rate for six and a half yards per attempt under pressure. But even though the Vikings are top six in dropbacks per game, the blueprint has been given to them to win this contest if they choose to do so because the last two offenses Dallas have faced – uh, Justin Fields, David Montgomery, and Khalil Herbert combined for 212 rushing yards. Fields only counted for 60 of that against them. And Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon this past game combined for 200 yards and five and a half yards per carry. The Packers ran for 144 yards on second down alone because the Cowboys cannot stop the run whatsoever. And now it's been exploited because the run tucks Micah Parsons in to defensive end only. He played single-digit snaps as a linebacker last week. Thus, the Packers were never in trouble in pressure rate and through the air. And so if the Vikings want to run the ball, they can do so in this matchup. I just I just wonder if they will change their blueprint for that. So I'm on the Cowboys, but there is a path here where I lose this bet, and I understand how. Here's the big thing there. Anthony Barr. Anthony Barr was not active last week. And because they knew that the Packers were going to go to a very run-heavy game plan, I think that they adjusted. And instead of having Micah Parsons attack and you know pressure the quarterback, they used him in a more traditional sense. And again, kudos, he could do all those things. But there's no way that you're – it's like just keeping uh, – you know, I got a Ferrari, but I'm just going to drive the Accord because it's just you know the weather is bad and it ends up not raining or anything. It's like – no, you just you drive the Ferrari because you have a Ferrari. You just let it happen. Anthony Barr coming back changes the dynamic completely of this defense because he allows them to do that. He can stay in, allows them to cover the rush. And then also on the other side, Christian Derisaw is in concussion protocol for the Vikings. Derisaw is PFF's top-graded offensive lineman this season. And if Derisaw is not there and Anthony Barr is, that's a very, very, very big problem if you feel confident in the Vikings here. I do think that they probably do want to do the run thing, but I think they don't have the success that we saw last week because of that. Connor, what do you I, think? I, I very quickly, I also say, if that is the case and Anthony Barr's active, I may even double up my bet here because uh, Dan Quinn and Trayvon Diggs, like Dan Quinn schemed 21 receiving yards to Justin Jefferson in this matchup last year. Like, I believe they know how to stop him. So if that's the case, and we don't expect the Vikings to move around here on offense... I, I'm all in on this Cowboys minus one and a half bet. Yeah, I want the Derisaw and Bar news for sure because I think it matters massively. Yeah, I mean, for me, a lot of what you mentioned is important, but beyond that, so it's like Kirk's completion rate uh, against, he has the, one of the highest splits actually, man versus zone. I, we, we looked at it and like dialed it up this week. It's like nearly 20%, just a 48% completion rate against zone. And then under pressure, 42.9% completion rate. He's basically turned into a cupcake uh, against man and zone. Just really has not been able to complete it. And a lot of that has to do with the Vikings wide receivers just not really getting open. Like Justin Jefferson, we mentioned it, has not played as well against man. He's still good. It's just that his splits against man are also not, not as great. Uh, and so some of that's on Kirk, but some of that's on him. Uh, and as you mentioned, they're good, probably going to get pressure. Uh, and the, the Vikings defense on the other side, I mean, fairly average, but notably dead last in explosive pass rate allowed. Dallas, I think, has looked great largely offensively. They could run the ball. They could pass the ball. Dalton Schultz has come in on his own. They need to get, I think, Michael Gallup going a little bit more on some deep balls. But I, I really think that this is like a spot here where 
Uh, I had it at like three. I thought Dallas should have been like minus three, all things considered. So what was the I, look ahead? I don't know, actually, Noonan. No, look ahead is right around here. Uh, okay. Pick, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's again, they weren't the market's sharp. They're not necessarily thrown off by what, what happened. The public is because everyone's like, why aren't they, why isn't Minnesota at least favored by three? It's funny because the week after we were uh, clearly on the square side of the Dallas Green Bay, you know, debacle, which we still should have won. We, we should have won. We should have won. Like, yeah, we should have I mean, won. Like, yeah. I'm just saying like relative to whatever the market, um, you know, now at this point, I think this is the sharp side uh, of everything, but maybe it's not. I don't know. I just, from what I've seen, I think, I think that that's what it is. So, you know, whatever, I, we better win this one. That's all I got to say. Big over Dallas again, obviously they play on Thanksgiving giants are coming to town. You know, the giants, they have to obviously take care of business, but again, like I know we think of these teams very differently, but as far as just win loss records, they're starting to get really close and tight. And you know, the, the Cowboys kind of need that here. Some other teams that are, again, the Packers won, the commanders won, like there's some other teams coming up on the back ends where, the Cowboys kind of need to start to make sure that they separate themselves. So I think we see just a little bit more of that offense that I think we expect to see with the Cowboys too. I think uh, CD lamb eats in this spot too. Um, you know, maybe it's a limited Zeke, but I think Pollard can have some success here as well. I think it's going to be a, a nice little spot again, the bar and the Darisaw news, I think make a, a ton of difference here. So uh, is there anything else on the slate this week, guys, that we did not touch on that you guys want to highlight the, any other looks on the board here? Uh, Connor, I'll start with you. Yeah, let's let's see here. I think that I had one more that I liked. Oh, it was well, Bills Browns. Um, I mean, we played. I played the over speculatively uh, this morning at forty-one uh, because DK does not void uh, bets with a location change as long as the Bills are still listed as the home team. So there was some good. I don't know what I felt unilateral upside uh, there. The current total is like forty-eight and a half. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about that game, but I still think that could go over. Um, I think the Browns have success on the ground. I think that the bill, I mean, the Browns defense is like horrible. I think that the, the bills will be able to wreck them. I mean, Josh Allen, uh, he made a couple of throws that were bad and he's consistently making mistakes. Um, but I think that that's still okay because he's still electric enough that still getting enough big plays that I think they'll be fine. And in a dome, I mean, Josh Allen in a dome, uh, you know, any at a less than 50 point total is pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, I took the bills team total there at 25 and a half, which I thought was, uh, I thought it was viable probably if it stayed in Buffalo. Um, again, not knowing what we're going to see there, but now that that's on the fast track in Detroit, feel really good about that. So, yeah, um, I don't know what your thoughts on Daigle. That's gone, but I don't know if you got in on it with us. Uh, I did not, just because even in the snow, I should have – I wanted to do the overs in the snow, like the running overs, um, just because, as, as you mentioned, Connor, both defenses are pretty bad. Since the Bills returned from their bye, they're allowing 6.2 yards per carry. Um, I expect Nick Chubb to have a lot of success in this game, especially that it's outdoors now. So, um, yeah, I do like the overs in that one. And then I'm not suggesting anyone bet this, but I also <laughs> – uh, I bet the Texans as three-point home dogs – uh, they went one of six inside the red zone last week, but they still made the red zone six times. The commander's riding a high off of this win against the Eagles. And more importantly, maybe it's something, maybe it's not, but now we now have 11 games on the, at home and 11 games on the road for Davis Mills. He's literally lapped his touchdowns, 8 to 19 um, at home compared to on the road, also averaging 1.4 more yards per attempt at home compared to on the road. So just a little something. And the on the boundary through their cornerbacks is how you tack the commander. So I think they can have some success moving the ball here. Yeah, that uh, Browns-Bills game still is at like seven and a half, eight and a half out there. Um, and then that's a nice little teaser leg. You can tease the Bills under a field goal. And I absolutely love pairing that with the 49ers here. 49ers on Monday night in Mexico against the Cardinals. Uh, they are eight to eight and a half. So again, you can get that at you know two, two and a half. Gets both those teams under a field goal. Look, it might be Kyler. It might be Trace McSorley because Colt McCoy is injured as well. He hurt his knee. Kyler sounds like it's going to be a game time decision. It's a hamstring thing. So even if he plays, he's probably fairly limited. And I don't know. I just think this Niners team, I think the Niners and the Ravens are just teams that are probably ascending a little bit. I would love to get down. The Ravens are, I don't know, the defensive upgrades, but guys coming back healthy, the Roquan Smith move, offensive line, some things are getting better. But again, they're 13-point favorites. I don't really want to jump into that market, even though it's against Baker Mayfield this week. But yeah, teasing the Bills, 
and the Niners under three, I think is a really nice teaser leg uh, on DraftKings this week. So I love the the Niners teaser leg, especially too, because we look at Arizona right now, what they do, they blitz at a top three rate. Jimmy G right now, third in EPA per play against the blitz, seventh best in completion rate under pressure. Uh, I mean, just like, and they don't, they're not successful with it. Like they're not even getting pressure. It's just that they blitz. I think they're like 26th in blitz success rate or something like that. So uh, I mean, that's just because the weapons are so good. It's just like a catastrophic combination where the only other person that's like in e, like high in EPA per, against the blitz is Patrick Mahomes. And we saw what happened there. I mean, he just absolutely annihilated them. And and I chalked up last week's game approach against the Chargers as a game specific blueprint coming off of the bye. Um, 18 carries for Elijah Mitchell, 14 for Christian McCaffrey. Debo Samuel had four carries. That's his first game with more than two carries since week three. So I just assumed, yeah, they went and attacked a front seven, allowing the most rushing yards per game. Of course, that was their game plan. I don't expect it to be that in this one. I think it's going to be a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo and Christian McCaffrey. So again, we don't know what the quarterback news is. I think it's probably Kyler, but again, like it's either kind of somewhat hobbled Kyler, it's Colt McCoy who's dealing with a knee injury, or it's Trace McSorley. And I feel pretty good about that. Uh, I took under on the Cardinals team total as well. So I think that's a nice little teaser leg available now that that Buffalo game is kind of settled, uh, but though the spread has not moved with that. So, all right, gentlemen, good stuff as always. Uh, Continue to have articles coming out on the site. Again, 444.com slash plans. Next level, we'll get you an additional 25% off of an already 50% discounted betting subscription where you can get access to everything that we write, all the plays that we make, all the great stuff, all the DFS stuff that Daigle is doing. Um, love that stuff as well. So Connor will continue to have articles on the site. Um, I will have a prop article coming soon. And very quickly, uh, we're trying something new out. We're trying to, all of us, have more fun as we do in the Discord together trying to overlap DFS with our betting content since TJ Hernandez and I mention it from time to time. It's part of our process, but we never talk about it in depth. And so since I bet obviously with y'all and I use that, those, that information on DFS, um, I will now be sitting down with Sharp Clark every Friday afternoon on YouTube for everyone um, talking about the three or four most important storylines for DFS and what betters are doing, trying to get a glimpse at, oh, like, do we think this bill's, Browns game now is going to explode. Like how are books taking the tickets on that? Um, this Falcons team total, I think is one of the most interesting things of this entire slate. Uh, the second highest team total. And honestly, if the Ravens and Panthers total keeps coming down, the Falcons are going to be projected by Vegas to score the most points of any team on Sunday. That's wild to me. We have to talk about that. So yeah, we're just going to, we're going to take it to the streets, talk about betting and DVS at the same time, a quick 10 minute video on it. So please stop by, like it, support it every Friday afternoon, moving forward. Love it. Again, another thing that you'll get by subscribing here to the YouTube channel or on podcast form as well. I believe we're going to end up having that here in the uh, Move the Line podcast feed as well. So, yeah, good stuff as always. Um, so, for Nick and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see you tomorrow for the Prop Drop Show. Thanks, everyone. Yeah.